This is Fair Share, a podcast conversation with Philip Rosedale about digital currency and the future of money. My name is Dan Patterson, and in this episode, Philip explains the mechanisms of Fair Share, how it works, and why it matters, how Fair Share prevents wealth concentration, and how communities help ensure a fair and stable economy. Philip, we've talked a lot about Fair Share and then get into this really interesting question of why now? Why is it necessary? But let's start with uh, quickly sum up what is Fair Share and then uh, why now? Why today? Well, first of all, uh, right. The, you know, I think the right summary of Fair Share is it's a system of money. It's, it's a way that people can provide for themselves and trade things with each other that is uh, kind of original and optimal in a way that is hopefully a better fit for what we need right now than than anything else we've got, you know, than things uh, crypto or regular currencies. And, you know, the important thing about fair share, as we've been talking about, is that what it does is it continuously redistributes a currency amongst a group of people that are using it in a way that is close to optimal in t- or pr- quite close to optimal in terms of their uh ability to be productive and their need for currency to use for trade. So it's it's broadly, you know, a betterment of the way money on its best days is supposed to work or that we expect it to work. Now, as to why you would need to do something like that right now, I think that question is just incredibly interesting and important. And, you know, it may be that right now is the kind of forcing function, you know, as a society that actually enables us to do something like fair share instead of, say, you know, having a violent revolution, you know, where we, you know, kind of, you know, take back all the the stuff and, you know, give it out again, which is what happens otherwise, you know, in, in societies over time, they, they get to a point where they're so unequal that, you know, people just won't accept it anymore. And you have some kind of an upheaval, you know, where, where stuff is redistributed. And I think we're you know, we're at that point. But to the question about why right now? So there's things going on like AI, like, you know, obviously in my lab and in my work, I'm very close to what's happening with AI. And, you know, I was marveling last night at how I was listening to a podcast where you had these two really smart people that are both involved in AI, basically having a, you know, a very, very thoughtful and reasonable debate that frankly didn't have a clear outcome as to whether we're all going to be around, you know, in 30 or 40 years because of AI and that it just to think that conversations like that are going on is incredible and the observation that uh, that that economic the thing that economics shows you is that when there's a lot of disruptive change in society like computers showing up on the scene or electric cars as we're talking about right now or AI um, there is a tendency for those disruptive changes to force things to become even more unequal very quickly. And the reason for that is that while over the long term we may adapt collectively to changes in a pretty even way, in the short term, and of course by short term I could mean like decades, the impact of big changes is to increase wealth inequality. And the reason for this is because the people who already have money in a system are more able to adapt to change. And so if you have something like AI, uh, taking away jobs, right? The people who have extra money are the ones that can most easily say, retrain themselves to do something that's useful compared to what the AI is doing. And so in these periods of disruptive change, 
we inevitably end up with wealth inequality going up even beyond what it was already. And that is why we need this right now. And in fact, I, th I, I think and I kind of hope, you know, that as a society, we get to this point where we say, this is not okay. The way we're doing things is not okay. It's not fair. And here's one of the things we need to do. We need to redesign how money works. And I think that things like AI coming onto the scene are going to push us off in a, you know, Know, in a good way, they're going to push us forward and force us to, you know, take a look at possibilities like this. I think it's so important to distinguish the idea of fair share from uh, the particular cultures of cryptocurrency or even cryptocurrency uh, as a technology. Those things you can put into one particular bucket, but what you are talking right. about with fair share is uh, the broader idea of how does our culture or society adapt to great change and how can we possibly rethink the redistribution of equity in a, a, a like the name says directly in a fair way um right you so might, you, oh you know you, you might imagine just like what you're saying you might imagine a situation where we're faced with let's imagine the kind of abundance that you hear sort of the most techno utopian mm. people think about, right? So imagine we're suddenly in a situation, say five years from now, where everything we need is being made by robots, you know, and there's enough of it for everybody, but there's not a way to distribute it fairly, right? We could be easily confronted with a situation where we had a lot of stuff over here and a lot of stuff over there and a lot of stuff over here, but uh, the money we have is not serving us in that the only people that can afford that stuff are, you know, some very small group of people that have gotten super rich, say from crypto. So the, the trick is that, uh, you know, abundance, for example, in resources doesn't mean abundance, unless there's also a mechanism for distributing that stuff. And so that's the kind of thing where if you sat down with a group of reasonable people on sort of on a desert island and said, Hey, here we are, we've got tons of We've got tons of resources, but we don't have a, how are we going to distribute it amongst ourselves in a way that we're able to work hard, earn more, get rich, maybe be successful, whatever, you know, find a life. We would need a currency system. And, and again, I think that if we sat down on a desert island with a bunch of smart people, the type of system that everybody could agree on, especially once they'd kind of dug into what the problems are, you know, what the bugs, if you will, are, the type of system everybody could agree on would be something like fair share. I think there might be other things like fair share that work equally well, but I have a feeling that fair share at least works well enough that we should consider it, you know, as an alternative to what we're doing. Uh, we're going to use the word taxes quite a bit now, uh, <laughs> which might be scary to some people, but uh, you've kind of thought through how uh, taxation, uh, well, how it, it, I, I'm not an economist, you have thought a lot about this, but can you elaborate a little bit on the mechanisms of fair share, particularly when it comes to uh, transaction taxes and income taxes and other forms of um, uh, fairly taxing or, or extracting uh, uh, currency from the uh, ecosystem? I think one way of putting it is to imagine that, and we've touched on this before, what you need to enable fairness with while also enabling free markets, competition, uh, entrepreneurship, all those things, what you need to do that, it turns out, is 
a continuous supply of money that is that is essentially recycled in some way in your money system and given back out to everybody equally. So giving giving something, you know, giving newly printed money out equally to everybody is kind of easy to get one's head around, right? It doesn't really, it's not obvious as to why you'd take newly printed money and give it to one person versus just giving an equal amount to everybody, right? That's kind of a fundamental problem or a fundamental premise that makes a lot of sense and is easy to get to. The more complicated side of it is, hey, where's that money going to come from? And of course, you know, in say uh, American society, you have a really, you know, you have a you have a, a, a knee jerk reaction, right, where everybody says, "Wait a second, you can't just print money and give it to everybody. It's got to come from somewhere, right?" So then the question is, okay, if we were again all on our desert island trying to come up with a better kind of currency, what would we, what kind of way would we come up with to to take money out of the system to recycle it back equally to everybody? And the, the ways to do that are, you know, there are numerous ways. For example, in the last election, we heard people talking about you've got to tax uh, the super wealthy. You, you've got to say, take everybody and say, look, you know, at the end of this year, everybody puts 1% of their net worth into a pot and we give it back to everybody else. This, this, is, this was part of the last election was proposing this. Um, that mechanism actually is an example circulating money. So if you if you if you take 1% of everybody's net worth and you give it back to everybody else, you can actually get a little bit of this stability happening that we're talking about here with fair share. The problem is, is that if you model this, if you model the economics of it, the uh, amount that you have to pay of your net worth, you know, kind of at the end of the year, if this if this sort of wealth tax were the only way you were funding everybody getting a continuous supply of currency would be a really high tax rate. We've modeled it quite a bit, you know, so you might have to give up like 25% of your net worth at the end of every year or something, which would be, you know, really large amount. But there's an even better way to do it, which is what we all kind of know today in the United States is just a sales tax, right? You go in and you, you pay for something and there's a tax, you know, and we're all used to it. Like many of the things you buy every day have a sales tax, you know, and in places like San Francisco, uh, you know, in big cities, that sales tax is something like, you know, 8% or 9%, right? The, it, we're, we, we put up with that. So it turns out that that kind of a tax, and you're right, you know, we're, we're using the word tax a lot. That kind of a tax is innately uh, easy to use as a mechanism for getting people that have more money to pay more. And the reason for that is that people who have more money are circulating it more. You know, if somebody that makes $50,000 a month is typically spending $50,000 a month, which is a lot more than somebody who, you know, is making 5,000 and spending 5,000. So if you tax everything that everybody does, and this is the not radical idea, actually the simple idea behind something like fair share, um, is if you simply want to uh, collect money from everybody in a way that tends to collect a bit more from the people who have a bit more and then distribute it to everybody else, the easiest way to do it is something that looks like a sales tax, or sometimes we call it a, a transfer tax because we mean a tax that would apply to every single time I move money from my wallet you know, to anywhere. How do you prevent wealth concentration and how do you how do you ensure i mean you touch on this a little bit ensure equal distribution but how do you do that and prevent wealth from pooling or concentrating how do you well i think it's a, that's a that's a great way to set it up i think because all economic systems and 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 this happens because there are so many external ways to hoard wealth 
all systems eventually give mm. way to kinds of accumulation, right, of one kind or another. So an example would be that I could, I don't know, I could participate in society and I could buy gold with all the extra money I had and I could put this gold in a bag and I could put the bag in a, a you know, hole in my backyard. In doing that, I would be siphoning away value from the rest of society and putting it in my backyard. And at some point, you know, everybody would show up at my house and say, hey, you know, where's Philip? Where's all the money? You know, we got we to get this money back into circulation. So every economic system eventually uh, results in inequality that has to be sort of externally managed, I, I think. You know, and this is what we've seen in history. The question is, how quickly does that happen, right? And the problem is, is that if you just print the money up front, like with crypto, and you give it out to a few people, and you trust that it's going to trickle down to everybody else, if you will, which, by the way, is precisely the concept of crypto. It's the trickle-down economics, which is what you know Ronald Reagan and Margaret Thatcher uh, began a kind of a vast, uh, and I think many people would say, unfair and inequitable experiment, you know, in the '80s, which was, you know, basically uh, give us give give incremental money to a small number of people and then hope that it gets to everyone in the right way. And then this can just be studied and be shown to not work. So what you need is a mechanism that, uh, and you can, you can test this with an economic simulation, you need a mechanism that moves uh, more money from, from people that are transacting more, say tax rate, you end up with a situation where it takes a long time for this wealth inequality to build up uh, because because people literally do have to do things like, you know, buy fancy houses that nobody else can use, you know, and these this process takes time. What we're proposing to do here is not fix everything about the world, but it's just to build a currency system that, say, after 20 or 30 years will still seem fair to the participants. You know, the people wouldn't hit that reset button. I want to, you know, I want to redistribute all the money. You know, they, they would they would deem it as fair. And the idea is that fair share is the closest way to do that with a currency. It doesn't address real estate. It doesn't address, you know, generational wealth. Uh, it just addresses this wealth inequality accumulation that happens in a system where it's not redistributed. Um, I, this isn't Marxism, but is this socialism? No, because the idea here is to balance the free market, the most aggressive form of the free market, you know, the most open free market, to balance it with an equivalent uh, mechanism on the other side that does this redistribution. And in fact, again, in capitalist societies, we routinely collect and distribute taxes. You know, we, we, we do that in a variety of different ways. And when, when countries do it well, which they tend to do earlier in their timeline, you know, when, when the system has started, you know, when countries do a good job of that and they do collect taxes from people and redistribute it, it does start to look like what fair share is optimizing. I think like a lot of technology changes, the idea with fair share is simply to step back and say, hey, wait a second, what is the fairest way that the best countries have done things over time? And could we replicate that with a digital currency that everybody could just start using? That's the idea here. And if you look at what good countries have done historically, where they've maintained uh, by many measures, including things like the Gini Index, they have maintained wealth equality um, in their population. It has generally been some kind of progressive tax that's distributed more or less, you know, that is distributed widely. 
and you know the the as I said, you know the the last twenty or thirty years, say in the United States and the UK, have been more an experiment in this trickle down idea, which is can you, can you print more money but only give it to a few people? And you know that experiment doesn't work so well. So we need something that uh, collect that money but distributes it more equally. Um, you've talked a little bit about the guardrails on the systems, but what safeguards exist to prevent actual misuse, like malice or bad actors? Well, the idea is when a community can vote one vote per person on its own monetary policy, you have a very and and the community can manage its population as a country can or a city can, you know, in some cases. The, the situation that you end up with there is one where there's a dynamic tension. If people are unproductive beyond a point, you know, say, you know, you know if, you, if you have a micro society or an online society or whatever in which you have, you know, highly productive younger people that are just not doing anything, right? There's a debate to be had about whether those people should be allowed to stay or, you know, should be told that they've got to go, you know, seek their fortune elsewhere. Um, and the idea is that a community, given the ability to regulate directly its own monetary policy, as well as its own membership, can very easily establish kind of a discussion and tensions and appropriate consequences around how it regulates that. And, you know, in the case of fair share, again, this is, might be one mechanism where there are more. But the idea with fair share is to boil that down to the simplest possible process where, as we touched on, there's a tax and the rate of that tax is something that everyone in the community can vote on. Could this lead to, and I don't, I don't want to rabbit hole here, but I'm, I'm just trying to think of loopholes and, and exploits. Right. Uh, could this lend itself to um, enabling xenophobia, for example, or, or pushing uh, certain cohorts out of a group uh, because they would... Uh, uh, well, for many reasons, but because they could potentially uh, share in the, the currency of the larger group. I think that is also a great question. And, and, and first of all, I think as with all things we've built with technology, that question, you know, for example, avoiding xenophobia is something that we now, I think, are better understanding the seriousness of, you know, that, that, that there are many things we built with technology where we didn't ask the question that you just asked, right? And we didn't, we didn't have a good ongoing conversation about what would happen there. With fair share specifically, I would say that it does not provide a mechanism which worsens, and I think this, for example, is the problem with social media where this has happened. It doesn't provide a mechanism that worsens anything about how we tend to adjudicate, uh, resources and how we tend to treat each other. So mm -hmm. what fair share does is literalizes. So consider, for example, you know, the, uh, the fact that a community takes care of its elders, right? Um, as you become older, you typically become less economically productive, right? But we have many, many structures that have been built over history from the nuclear family to the strong local community to even the government, you know, providing social security. We have all these different mechanisms that we build because in our moral compass is encoded a desire to appropriately care for, you know, 
our community from birth to death. And of course, little kids are a similar example where we're, you know, we have to provide, uh, as a community, we have to fund the lives of children, if you will, um, until they later, you know, hopefully become productive members of our society. What Fairshare does is it tries to actually use a digital process to match the management of a currency as closely as possible to those kinds of local conditions and also not do anything to hide information. You know, there's, you, if you kicked somebody out of a fair share group, you literally, everybody would see that, you know, Dan was, you know, has, has left the group, right? And of course, people could say, wait a second, you know, Dan, you know, Dan, uh, he's fighting cancer. He, he, he's, he's fine. You know, we just need to, uh, you know, he, he'll be okay in another six months, right? Yeah, that uses kind of, the social cohesion of the group too. Uh, right. And, and by the way, I think this is an important conversation because there's a mindset in crypto that you need to manage the behavior, for example, of humans mm -hmm. um, to sort of like accommodate for the fact that everybody is inherently bad to each other or something. And that kind of nonsense is, you know, some of the most dangerous thinking that we're doing in technology, right? Like there's a there's a fallback sometimes amongst technologists to defend the evils in their work by saying, oh, well, people are inherently evil. And that's just absolutely untrue, right? People are inherently good. We form into tightly knit social groups to work together on collective goals, right? People are inherently good. It's just that you might be able to build a system like crypto, for example, where you can steal money from other people and they'll never find out who it was that stole the money, right? That's one of the problems we're seeing with crypto. That is literally using technology to enable people to do harm to each other in a way that is kind of is going to optimally maximize the amount of harm that's happening. And I think that fair share is an opportunity to do the opposite of that, which is to say, let's make the information and the process transparent so that everybody could just do what, of course, they would do if they were sitting around. 100 people in a village a long time ago, right? They would make rational decisions. Yeah, sometimes, you know, you might get threatened with expulsion, right? Of course, as happens, you know, with, you know, probably young adolescents in many, many, many different social groups over the years. Uh, and, and then sometimes you're looking after your kids and your elders. And the idea here is to tie the currency closely to individual kind of preference and intention around that rather than having the, say, say for example, the source of currency be some faraway place, or in the case of crypto, like some algorithm, right? Why would it make any sense that we would meter out 24 million bitcoins in some weird declining mathematical algorithm over, you know, the years leading up to 20, 2100 or whatever it is, where the last, you know, the last sad bitcoin is minted? I, you know, wh why would we use an algorithm like that to to guard or or uh, direct human behavior. It makes no sense. What we want instead is technology that lets us use a moral compass, for example, and literalize it in the, you know, in say the currency that you're using. Uh, last question, and this might be unanswerable, but is important. How do we get there from here? It's great. It sounds interesting. Yeah. Uh, but what's where is the map? How do we how do we navigate in this direction? Well, the, let's look at that. Um, there have been many, many attempts over history to use um, different kinds of alternative currencies. Some of them have been digital. Most of them have actually been uh, 
like local communities printing their own money. And if you look at those experiments, um, what you see is that in many of them, there wasn't a, an advantage to anyone to use that local currency other than, say, feeling that it was a spiritual imperative or a, you know, it was a way of, say, supporting your local businesses in a way that felt like, you know, the sort of uh, charity that we might do at church or something, you know, just kind of uh, doing something because you think it's right. The difference with fair share is that because it has this mechanism built into it where it redistributes the currency as it's being used, it has an immediate positive impact that is evident to everybody. It is, is if you just, you know, got your health care covered or, 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 you know, signed on to Social Security for the first time and we're, we're you know, beginning to receive it. Um, so there is a tactical and immediate value in using fair share where if you have a community of people that are with you willing to use it, they can immediately begin generating a lower, lower level of wealth inequality, but perhaps more importantly, in the tactical sense a, a, a small basic income that enables people to buy basic needs, you know, so, so it has a motivational factor encoded in it because it has this mechanism of redistribution so that you get an income. So, you know, it's like if you are, uh, technically and economically speaking, if you are below average in any metric in an existing financial system, and this is the whole kind of proof that, that, you know, kicked off fair share, if you will, if you are below average in your holdings in any kind of a system that has a free market and already, you know, pre-existing wealth inequality, you are losing day by day. You are, you are, spending money and you are essentially losing a little bit more than you're able to put to practical use because of this problem that free markets amplify inequality and you can feel that and so i think that the the argument tactically at a very high level for fair share is if and this is true say in the united states if the great majority of people are losing are basically steadily going backwards in their in their say wealth um, because of the system they're using and you offer them an alternative where one, they get a basic income and two, they stop slowly going backwards in their position. I think many people are going to jump to that. I think the other thing about fair share to your question about how the, what the roadmap looks like is that it can have an immediate utility if a community seeks to use it even within a limited set of resources that they can share. So for example, a community could use it to exchange services which didn't have hard costs associated with uh, buying them. So this would be like consulting, you know, or, or body work or, or uh, therapy or, you know, anything like that. The, the, I think the, the good kind of slippery slope around something like this is that we can all in communities begin transferring things that provide the most need to people using this currency. And then you slowly kind of grow the different things trading with it from there. Thanks for listening to Fair Share, a podcast conversation about the future of digital currency. To learn more about the project and join the Discord, visit fairshare.social, and you can listen to more episodes of this podcast at fairshare.substack.com.